Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I am your host, Luga the Barbarian. And with me today is Light, the Light Fingered Thief. Hey, how's everyone doing? Everyone check their pockets again? <laughs> oh, no, my billfold is missing. I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Stole my gold. Well, we decided we'd continue rambling on about vaguely about uh, D&D 5.5 or 6.0, whatever it is, just because, well, we're obsessive about role-playing games and editions <laughs> and that interests us. And we read a lot of them. We have a lot of editions. I think the only edition editions I don't have core books for on my shelf right now is fourth edition I never picked up. I don't have that one either. <laughs> Didn't pick it up. Like people say really bad things about it. I've heard a few people really like it. My brother liked fourth edition. Okay. I don't have it. Can't uh, make a judgment call there. I don't know anything about it. I've heard a few things about the monster manual people like. 3.5. I do not have all the core books for. I think I have a 3.5 player's guide in a game master's guide i do have 3.0 which was what came out in 2000 before it was updated to 3.5 i do have those books i bought those asap when that game came out and in fact i actually have because the 3.0 players guy was kind of antiquated after 3.5 came out they were so cheap everywhere that like right got multiple <laughs> copies of that players guy that i'll probably never use um, and I like, like when you're playing, you sure you could play different editions, but a lot of times you're going on an ongoing complaint campaign. So whatever you're starting with and doing with, like, you're not going to just, yeah, you're going like, to stay with it. Right. Yeah. You're just going to, oh, well, this game's working. So let's keep doing it. Yeah. There's only so many you can do. And well, my trend has been that when, when something comes out, I like to pick up new games when they come out. When it's a new edition of a game I'm already playing, a lot of the times what I do is I don't rush to get the new one because I'm already playing the other one in the campaign. True. Uh, I think, you know, one exception for me at least is, you know, with the Hyperborea third, third edition or third printing, whatever you want to call it. So for me, I did the Kickstarter for that one, you know, but the rules are 90% backwards compatible anyways. You know, not, nothing's changed much, so. Yeah, the backwards compatibility is important. I think that's one thing that they've said that I've heard said online. I'm hoping tends to be the case with 5.5 or 6.0 or whatever it is that it stays backwards compatible. And it sh and it should be from what they've been what we we've been reading. But for backwards compatibility, because there's so many editions like Swords and Wizards and, and Retro Clones, Swords and Wizardry and OSE. If you look at those stat blocks they're identical because they're made to be usable for multiple editions they give you multiple ascending and descending armor class yeah they give both yep like if you want to sell like like i i know i've gone on a rant about creating a, a some form of basic but having stat blocks like that in products where they're more compatible with all multiple things that people play is not a bad idea like I'm all about it. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing is, you know, especially with um, the different uh, games that we're running with the players, you know, I'm not telling people to go, oh, you need to go pick up Hyperborea third edition. It's like, no, no. If you have second edition, stay with that. Just stay with it. You know, I'm not asking my players to go pick up new books every time there's a new hot thing that comes out. I'm like, oh, you must go buy this book. <laughs> well, we, there, there are three editions of Hyperborea out. There's the original box set. And there's the second edition. And then now there's going to be a third edition. 
And the nice thing about it is that if you have either one of those three and you come to the table to roll up a character, the book's going to work because it's still compatible. Very little difference. So you don't have to worry about having the right edition because they kept the game. Essentially the same. Yep. Yeah. So that's a positive. I've also, we also kind of used AD&D and AD&D second edition in the same manner back in the day. We played second edition essentially where people were, taking different books that were released for AD&D before second edition and we're rolling their characters up with that and they worked fine in the game for a long time we made no distinction between the editions because you didn't have to make a distinction you have, yeah you, you didn't have to so so yeah we'll see how things um shake out here I am curious you know with the current Hasbro Wizards of the Coast you know they've been releasing a lot of online content as well as for print content so it seems like they want people to go on the D&D Beyond and do subscription service to get all the online content. Me, personally, I, I hate that type of subscription model <laughs> yeah, I'm myself. Not, <laughs> I'm not a fan of, of, of... I am not the biggest fan of doing game digital stuff. We moved online with COVID. It's, there's positives. At the end of the day, my, I, I've been playing for many decades, since the 80s, in person with people at table. I, I, even... Well, I'll be honest, it didn't start off at tables. It started off on bedroom floors and basement well, floors. Well, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have a nice table. We couldn't rent rolling at a mom's dining room well, table. Well, you, you're, you're, you're not rolling dice, dice on your parents' dining room table. You're <laughs> on the basement or the bedroom floor, like you said, at your friend's place. <laughs> yeah, so we were on the basement floor or on one of our bedroom floors, and uh, we would play there. We wouldn't have a nice table. We used to roll our dice on the carpet or the or the concrete or the hardwood, right. wherever we were at. <laughs> or it, in a little shoebox lid. <laughs> yeah yeah oh we definitely had that like we'd have the the boxes the old AD&D box sets yep. i yep. remember rolling into the boxes or i remember rolling into the marvel superheroes role-playing game box we'd yeah. be rolling our little 10 sided dice yeah so yeah so we we've always i've i've always done the game in person so it was a big difference to me to play it online now pushing for online content seems to be a big thing they're doing over there it is it is and choosing your system if you stick with a, a more complex systems, like we have the more modern systems that are a little more complex, it's kind of lends itself better to be like, Hey, well, if it's too hard, you can just do it real easy with the app and subscription stuff makes it easier. And people are like, Oh yeah, we can just do it here. You don't have to worry about rolling it in person and figuring out the rule and looking at the book. So there is that selling point to it that kind of changes things. Yeah. It's just, again, the digital sub subscription content model is better for the big businesses to continue yeah. to, to rake money from your wallet every month uh you know for me the aspects i do like about digital is you know the the maps and not having to draw up you know the dungeon on the little um plastic hex map type of thing with markers and stuff so that part i like but you know from a business standpoint when they start charging for digital content and one of my players wants to go play some special race and I don't have the book for, and now I got to go buy the digital content. That's yeah. annoying. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, one of the things is like, if I buy a book, I just want to have it there. Everybody can use it at the table. If I have to buy something else to go with, we're running it on a, an app or something. I'm not interested personally. And I personally don't use PDFs and stuff. So the way we play even getting into like, I guess if I were to explore that world of all that digital content and the way digital things are done, that would be a totally new approach for game for me still. I'm, I'm a bit behind the times. Maybe I need to 
check some of it out and figure out and <laughs> learn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I I use PDFs to run my games. I prefer having a physical hard copy if I'm DMing or game mastering a module, but but I use PDFs. <laughs> yeah, you're better with PDFs than I am. I If I have a PDF, I'm going to be straight up honest. Unless I print it out, because some I'll print out that are zine format to read, because I do little zines out of these these printers from time to time. If I can print it out and like that and just staple it and read it, I'll be more likely to use it. But if I can't and it's a full color PDF and it's a big, massive two, like, yeah, that's never going to get read. I've got a hard drive where I've stored all these things. They've come either with uh, like purchasing a book, you get the digital PDF and I pick up, well, you know, I'll pay for like little PDFs. I usually try to go for the cheaper ones and I bought some that are not as cheap and humble bundles and everything else. I've got a pretty large hard drive of PDFs at this point. I, I, I sometimes go into them and look for stuff. If I end up using it in game, I'm going to print it out. Like there'll be times I take monsters and print those pages right. out or yep. I'll take a module that I bought in PDF and print it out. But if it's not printed, my chances of using most of that, like 99.9% .9 of that never gets touched. Whereas my books, I pick them out. Of the, I go, I go out in the evening. I'll go to my bookshelves and pull out what I want to look at and read. And I take them upstairs and sit on my couch and open them up. And I'm. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm curious to see, you know, what other things, you know, Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast will be doing for this new edition or even whatever the update is to see what are they going to be putting online? If this can be duplicate both online and in book, which they've done before. Um, I'm also curious to see, are they going to revive something like Dungeon Magazine or Dragon Magazine? Oh, I don't know if they can. Because licensing or? Well, uh, so I'm going to get into a weird, a, a weird history that I only know part of. But Dragon Mag and Dungeon Mag in the 2000s was published by Paizo. It was sold off to her. Oh, it was sold off to Paizo. Really interesting. Paizo was some folks from TSR, Wizards of the Coast, that split off and they took started doing Dungeon Mag and Dragon Mag. And Dungeon Mag and Dragon Mag evolved into what became the uh, Rune Lords Adventure Path. It was like a monthly publication. They started doing monthly publications for third yep. edition. For Adventure Paths, yep. And that was where Pathfinder was born out of. They said, oh, well, we can't keep on doing it for third edition. I pretty sure that the fourth edition licensing impacted that so dungeon mag and dragon mag i might be wrong but i'm assuming that paizo owns the rights to those at this point and they might so i guess let me rephrase it will hasbro and wizard coast put out some type of monthly publication for D, &D of the new system um because i don't think they have anything today do they no, they've stopped doing that kind of thing. So their current model isn't focused on putting out modules. It no. has been reliant on kind of the community content that comes out as modules, things like D&D &D and beyond and stuff like that. Whereas back in the 90s and the 80s when we were playing, you'd get regular modules published, little paperback modules that were cheap, yep. and we'd play those. That's dropped off. That's not the model there anymore. They do put out hardback adventures, I've never seen any cheap little modules where that happens no. is yeah. D and D beyond people putting out PDFs digital and self publishing print on demand stuff. And that's more community source. Yeah. So maybe again, their business model, like you said, is the online D and D beyond. So, you know, we, the reason why I bring it up is, you know, we've seen an explosion of zines um, the past couple of years with, you know, all the zine quest activities. So people are putting out material on a semi-monthly basis in a modular smaller form i don't see 
you know, has Robots of the Coast doing anything like that. And that could be not in their business model. You know, they want to go big. <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not reaching for that. That's not that doesn't seem to be something that they find useful trying to get a new author in for a new thing every month and dealing with that. That's not where they're at. And a lot of what a large amount of what they put out, like like Salt Marsh and stuff like that, is stuff that they're just reworking from older well, stuff. They're just reworking the old stuff. So any of the Salt Marsh stuff, any of the Ravenloft stuff, is this updates to the original One E stuff. Yeah, so they're just putting out that old content for it. There's new content comes from the community. It's I feel more than and third parties publishing for Fifth Edition because there's some great stuff people are putting out for Fifth Edition out there, and they're putting it out and. It, it, it's it's amazing, but that's where that content tends to come from. Is the open game license makes that possible? Yeah, the open game license has really been a a godsend for the RPG community. <laughs> I hope and pray that they really keep open with it with the new stuff, like whatever they're putting out. I hope that they realize how beneficial it is to stick with a license like that. Yeah, I hope the uh, new editions that they're launching will continue, like you said, to have the OGO and enable that so that third-party publishers and community can continue to generate interesting and fun content for everybody to play. I, I We need to get somebody on this program that knows more about uh, open game licensing and, and copyright laws and all that than I do. I've read some things and there was a minute I was really into the copy left movement and things like that. I was really getting into that oh, a decade or more ago. So I'd like to have somebody on here that knows more about that and, and how that worked with people putting out retro clones, how that's changed in the fifth edition. Because I know that according to a lot of the licensing, certain things like Beholders, I think was one. Um, mind, mind Flayers and Beholders. <laughs> mind Flayers. I think another one of them, like a Displacer Beast or something like that as well, were things that were like off limits. You can't use them. Right. Those were copyrighted. <laughs> Which makes me question because I've definitely seen those things in third-party material in the early 2000s that I have. I know Necromancer Games uh, in Stoneheart, what's called the Stoneheart Valley now, I forget what it was originally called, uh, but one of those dungeons that are in there in the old Necromancer games, they have things like Beholders and stuff in it. So I don't know how they got around that or if they just didn't know and nobody picked up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's um, Yeah, well, we can maybe talk with uh, the... Uh, you know, Len from Florida and see if he knows because he's been doing some stuff for uh, Black Hack. Yeah, we're going to just talk to somebody who knows more about the copyright laws on here and ask some questions. Do it over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but let's move back on to the fifth edition. So, or 5.5 or sixth edition. And I know that one thing that I'm going to beat to death is is the layout and, and the publication and how it's put together. I, here's what, I, what, I, what my mind goes to is when I looked at those Forbidden Land books and i open them up and the colors not white but off white and it's printed to look like an old tome that's really cool i'd like to see creative printing like that with a dungeons and dragons core books not something that you could just would look almost the same if you sent to print on demand but something a little more elaborate when it comes to that, something you're not going to be able to necessarily get off of drive through or something right. like that. I think that would be a really cool approach to it. And there's a lot of things you can do like that. You know, I'll always love stuff like the the little ribbon bookmarks in my books right. and things like that to mark my page. It's like, Hasbro, could Dungeons and Dragons maybe give us a, a tome that looks like an ancient tome for the game a little bit more without it being printed on there? Maybe changing up the material we're printing on, the higher quality papers and stuff. Like, yeah, I mean they're they're using all that glossy 
glossy yeah. paper right now, which, which I'm not a huge fan of. Uh, because a weird sheen yeah <laughs> to the I, game. I, I don't like the weird the sheen and there's a lot of really good color print you can do without the gloss and the sheen and i do think that that's i mean in my opinion that's something that the, looking at more things that are a little more cutting edges that that's been leaning away from you know like i said back in 2003 that was like really neat great stuff but after a while design has changed and people realize that you can't just rely on a bunch of flashy colors for a good design. <laughs> yeah, and it's curious because I'm interested to see who the writers will be for this new expansion slash edition. Because a lot of the you know content that they've been releasing, especially the modules, like you said, they're done by like contractors. They're not employees of Hasbro Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, they're done by in the independent contractors and writers, and some of them have had issues with their content being edited heavily before it was released so i'm i am curious to see who the game designers and the writers will be are they going to be uh employees of uh, hasbro which is of the coast and core dnd people or are they just going to be contractors essentially i, I think most of the talent and in, in, uh, hasbro is usually a, a, a limited contract type thing i don't see hasbro having uh, from what i've seen hasbro doesn't have that many employees having a staff of artists and writers is is almost antiquated compared to how they do it we're in the we're in the gig economy now <laughs> yeah exactly we're in the gig economy so what is it that hasbro and which is the coach actually own they just own the name or brand yeah the, the, the content they're outsourcing essentially to other people gary gygax like you know his later stuff like he was publishing with troll lord and uh, necromancer games he was publishing stuff with them i mean he's the DN Dungeons and Dragons guy, he didn't even own his own creation at that point. You know, well, he was yeah. renaming things. He came out with other, you know, there's another company he worked with too. I can't remember the name of it. That he, and this was before 2000. I think it was that legendary game. I Le don't know much. Legendary about games, it. maybe. Yeah. I don't know who. Did, no, I think legendary games. Can, I'm not sure. I'll have to look it up. I do have some of the modules that he put out for that stuff. I can go check those out and see how, see who put those out. But I don't, I've never. And I've never used them. <laughs> I'll be honest. I've never. The system that he played with there was very different, and I'm not familiar with it. But yeah, like the name itself, like that's the biggest thing they have is like the intellectual property at this point, and that's very that's that speaks a lot because it is like Q-tips. Like when you say Q-tips, yep. that's a brand, but we all know it as a thing, right? It's a, cotton, it's a cotton swab. Viagra is, is owned by probably like Pfizer or something. Pfizer or somebody, say, right? Yeah, it's the generic. You when your brand is the generic term we're using. Yeah, that's that that's that's a that's a powerful thing. <laughs> it is. It is. So you know the other thing that I'm curious about is you know when we were growing up, there was Dungeons and Dragons, there was Star Frontiers, there was Gamma World, there was Boot Hill, there was Top Secret, there was a lot of other games. All those have you know broken apart yeah those don't have the brand recognition that dungeons and dragons has and when you're talking about the kind of money that hasbro has why when you have the money making name there you can throw on things why bother with those other ones well from a yeah from a pure money making capitalist point of view yes but for me as a fanboy i would love to be able to see a boot hill reboot or a top oh, yeah. even a top secret reboot well, in place there was a agents. top secret there is a top secret reboot there is that? Yeah, yeah the top yeah. secret dx game yeah that's pretty cool 
Um, and I think that I prefer, so looking at it, like I prefer a community driven game thing over looking to the company who owns it. Uh, I prefer people buying games from other gamers who are putting out things and bringing up new ideas from other places. There was not always like the editor in chief who decides what gets out and what works and doesn't, where we're able to kind of expand and that's impacted the game. By having people with the open game license, especially add new elements, a lot of those new elements that came from the small, the wider community, smaller creators made their way into the, the bigger official game itself. So I prefer having community control over the game myself. I, that one thing I was saying many years ago, when I first started a game blog, I started talking about um, open gaming content and open gaming and the concept of open gaming. And I like going that way. And the open game license made that possible. A lot of other games have open licenses. I know that free leagues year zero system has an open license you can use. I know there's a few other big ones. The, the powered by apocalypse from what I understand, isn't really a system license. It's more of, I'm not going to get into that. Now. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so looking at what has, has broken with the coach will be releasing here in the next couple of years. You know, I think um, people are probably a little bit excited, but also a little bit cautiously excited, not knowing what changes there may be coming. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm neither excited nor not. <laughs> I'm indifferent, honestly, because like I we don't play 5e. So for us, it's like eh. <laughs> I like when I pick up the books, I'll probably eventually pick them up for uh, I'm not going to try to buy them for full price the minute they come out. I'll probably give it a bit and then I'll probably eventually pick them up. I'll probably give it a look over. I think what I'm most interested in is the aesthetics of the books at this point, because I'm not sure if I'm going to actually run them, but I do have a lot of other ones I'm going to run. I'm more interested in stuff that other people are putting out. Planar compass. Number two has me more excited than anything else. Like I, I want to see what these people do. I reviewed that zine, you know, and some of these Kickstarters that are coming out, this Into the, the Odd that's coming out from Free League, those things, I'm curious to see what comes out with Into the Odd with uh, Free League's publication of it. So at a point, yeah, <laughs> that's where no, I that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. You know, I'm, I'm more excited to get my Hyperborea third edition book. Yeah, that's where my excitement's lie right now in the gaming community. There's things that are different than I've had before. I, uh, the exci- a new dungeon master's guide, player's guide, monsters manual. I've got a lot of those. Yeah, no, and I've got no, a lot true. from other systems that sit on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm excited for Hyper Warriors upcoming third edition release. I'm excited to see what Chaos and releases next for Call of Cthulhu. Those are the areas that I'm interested in. I'm, I'm curious to see where Troika goes and see what type of crazy stuff they'll be putting out soon <laughs> uh, so we're, we're gonna have to run that soon like i've got I, i've got i picked up quite a few things for that <laughs> i've got some troika there that we're gonna have to really get into crazy stuff with yeah yeah because i think troika will get really gonzo and, and different yeah we'll have we're gonna have some, we're gonna have some fun and i i am really excited to see what your brother does with that game <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your brother has a unique play style and i think it would be very suited for troika well, it's funny because, you know, since I grew up with him, for me, it's it feels normal to me, but I keep seeing these comments about how people think he's, like, you know, very crazy, unique, and I was like, seems normal to me, but obviously I 
I grew up with him, so it's a little bit different point of view, but yeah. Yeah, your brother will be fun to play Troika with. It'll be really good. I think it's a game suited for him. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, Troika looks a little bit gonzo, a little bit crazy, a little bit British humor, so I think it'd be fun. Yeah. But anyway, so in terms of looking forward to new stuff, that's what we're looking forward to. Um, we're probably, you know, cautiously optimistic about whatever this new 5e, 5.5, 6e looks like just from a curiosity standpoint, I, I guess. Don't, I don't know if I'm cautiously optimistic because I don't, here's the thing. I don't think that fifth edition is a, like, I don't, although I don't, I'm not playing fifth edition. I don't think it's a bad game or anything. It's a pretty solid game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like 5e as well. I think there are instances where you can get super overpowered with it, which is yeah. the main issue I have with it. But in general, with the mechanics, I, I think are good. I don't know if I'd take an issue with that even because I mean, for Pete's sake, I'm running a riffs game right now. You can get some overpowered things. I do prefer some different styles of games when there's an overpowered game or I, you know, I like a D and D certain style of game that I've discovered with like dungeon crawling where there's not such overpowered superhero characters. They're totally different things at times. Third edition and Pathfinder can get, way overpowered with that's like what yeah. is going on it, it's like you, you just start stacking on <laughs> stacking on max min stacking on feats and skills and all yeah. of a sudden you turn it into like a, a weird tank it makes the gameplay really kind of complicated and frustrating you're dming like oh man like this is a lot to look up and that's a part of it too is when you have those complex of rule systems you're able to have more books with more complex one you're able to sell a book for not just the DM, but the player, because we have more complex things in there. And it gets to be a bit much to handle at the table when I'm running a game. I'd rather focus on the story, the encounters, the dungeon, exactly. than yep. focusing on a mechanic of combat. Like combat's not as exciting of a thing when it's slowed down, especially to me. Combat can be made a little more exciting. And there's, and I think that a fast play combat, we got a lot of, we need to talk about our, some of the house rules, how we've made things fast play, but. For fast play, yeah. Yeah, like you can do a fast play combat, get through it, it's exciting, you're done, moving to the next thing. But if you're just slugged down, everybody's waiting on the next person's turn. He's flipping, how do I do this? And he's flipping through a book. I was like, those yeah. kind of gaming, like that's, we were doing that with Pathfinder. I was like, I've got to, I've got to change, and we got to go somewhere else. The system doesn't work; it's too complicated. <laughs> no, and, and that's the problem. If you have, if you got to spend like, you know, an hour on one combat encounter, let's call it, because it's so complicated, just with four players. I mean, there's, that's not too much fun. Um, and the other issue is, you know, like you were saying, you got to bring like ten books to the table. I mean, that's just way too much. So a lot of times with the games that we play, is like, you know, deep. These these are the rule. This, this is the rule set, and then that's the only rule book you need. But with Pathfinder, you can bring like what fifty obscure ass books that um, if the DM isn't familiar or doesn't have it, it's gonna be like, no, we're not allowing it at the tables. <laughs> yeah, that's that's difficult when people keep on bringing. And I think that's less of a. We don't have that problem as much as we're running a more streamlined systems where people are bringing crazy things out. If somebody has like a BX character of something different or a castles and crusades character of something different or a swords and wizardry that someone has put out independently usually it's pretty much on par it's not going to break you the should, game yes. it's not going to break you the still game play it. it's like okay that's cool that's good a right. little flavor to go with that exactly but but there were times when we were running those more complex games where it was like wow this is difficult and like i said i play some crunchy overpowered games too at times like i'm i'm running palladium i'm running rifts so there's a there's a balance it is what it is 
I, I'm not worried about that aspect of it. it. It'll keep on going and people will still keep on putting stuff out. We'll still keep on getting stuff added to our shelves. And like we said on yesterday's episode, there's probably going to be a thriving fifth edition community out there because it is a solid game. If they just turned the whole game upside down and nothing was compatible tomorrow, fifth edition will thrive. Yep. There's too much material and too many players out there that have started and grown with it. And people will still keep on putting it out. People will still make third-party material for it because that's what's going on with almost all the previous editions. Not as much fourth that I've seen. Not for fourth, but for 3.53 and OSR, yes. But that's assuming that the open game license is still active and valid, I guess. Yeah. So, like, I'm not sure how the fifth edition license is, but I'm assuming that it's still gonna you're still going to be able to continue to make fifth edition content like people are now just like people do with third edition and have people are now doing with earlier BX edition and everything else. Like, I don't know how the next edition's content license will be. I'm assuming they're going to keep with that. It would only make sense. I hope so. So I hope that's one thing that they do not change is get rid of it, you know? So, yeah, we'll see. I hope that, I hope that, uh, I hope that the book I'm going to, I'm going to end with this because we're coming up on time. I really hope that the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook, and the Monster's Manual that they release looks very different from what it currently looks like aesthetically. <laughs> that's my big <laughs> one. I want some paper that's like maybe off-white where it looks it actually looks like old paper. Like I see, and I know I harped on that. I want some, I wanted to use different approaches to color and design and make this tomes look really just, you know, cool. <laughs> nope. I mean, for me, it's a uh, part. I appreciate new formatting and new layout perhaps. And I'm yeah. curious to see what mechanics will be different or improved. In the yeah. System. And I, and the other thing I think my second one is I would love to see them do a basic Dungeons and Dragons and then an advanced Dungeons and Dragons again where like fifth edition would be the advanced and you have a streamlined basic edition that comes out as well. That would be really cool to see happen as well. Those are my two wants. <laughs> and I want it to be under $50. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. I mean, the book itself know, may be about 50, but you're gonna have yeah, to buy exactly. it. It's going to be 150 bucks to buy those three books. <laughs> it annoys me it from the wind. And they're not going to change that format. It's not going to be like a $40 rules tome when you have the whole game. <laughs> that's so not going to happen it's not going to be like so annoying no i know i mean i bought the 5e um complete box set with all three books and paid an arm and a leg still <laughs> yeah i mean they they're they end up usually going on sale for less than i know that the ones that i have i got with gift certificates for like 20 bucks a piece <laughs> so that's about all we have time for today i want to thank you all for listening if you enjoyed this leave us a positive comment wherever you're listening go ahead and share it on social media help us get the word out there you can follow us on Facebook at Wobblies and Wizards. Just search that on the Facebook, like, and follow. Our website is wobbliesandwizards.com. Check out some of the stuff we have there and keep those dice rolling. And may you have enough dice to roll for all of your games. <laughs>